athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very when you hear that, it means you're locked into the dopest show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. National Football League draft continues this weekend. And we've got another prospective draftee, Joshua Miles of the Morgan State Bears. Played left tackle, but he can play offensive tackle or offensive guard. He's going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to talk a little NASCAR. One of the stars of NASCAR, Brad Keselowski, also going to join us today here on the program. The race taking place in Talladega on Sunday, and Keselowski sits at the number five spot. Of course, he was the champion back in 2012, been one of the better and more popular racers in his time racing. He's been racing now for about 11 or 12 years full time. So Brad Keselowski, Brad Keselowski going to join us also today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. want to talk a lot about the Canes and Caps. Canes and Caps. I mean, I think if most of you have listened to this program for any amount of time, you know I'm from the Washington area, grew up as a Capitals fan. Remember quite vividly back in 1998 when the Capitals were making their run to the Stanley Cup, ultimately lost to the Detroit Red Wings, and it had been a serious drought until last year. As a matter of fact, 20 years since the last time that the Caps were in the Stanley Cup in 98 and, of course, winning it on last year, the defending champions. And, you know, I said it on this program last weekend. I said that I thought that the Capitals would win the next two games and be done with this series. I was wrong, but ultimately the Canes won the series. And I also said on last year, uh, uh, last week, that I thought that perhaps last year for the Capitals was an aberration because it seems like when you look at them the last seven or eight years, they'll have stretches where they'll have the best record in the NHL and then ultimately falter in the first round of the playoffs or ultimately cannot get past the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, that wasn't the case last year. Not only did they not falter, although they almost did. They got down two games to none and ultimately went on to win the Stanley Cup and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins along the way. But maybe last year was an aberration because, I mean, I'm going to give the Carolina Hurricanes all the credit in the world. And I am here in Raleigh, so I realize what the magnitude of what the Hurricanes are doing right now, what they were able to do in terms of beating the Capitals, what it in fact meant. Of course, they're in a battle uh, in the second round with the New York Islanders. 
By the way, Barry Trotz is the head coach of the Islanders, who last year was the head coach of the Capitals, and now I think that's an issue as well. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but I thought, I said it last week, maybe last year for the Capitals was an aberration. And, I mean, you know, listen, if you're a top seed and the the Canes barely got into the playoffs, I mean, the Capitals, albeit they were up three games to two, of course the Canes had to win two games, but the Capitals were up three to nothing in the first period of game one and really you know have since that time have been outplayed dominated you talk about shots on goal you're talking about a scrappy team um you know you're talking about uh game seven justin williams you're talking about a canes team coached by rod brindamore who was part of the canes team the last time the canes won the stanley cup back in 2006 um, listen, I mean, you know, if you're the Capitals, you're the defending champions and the Hurricanes hadn't made the playoffs in 10 years. They barely got into the playoffs this year. I mean, you, you got to go ahead and dispose of the Carolina Hurricanes. The Capitals couldn't do that. Ultimately, Brock McGrin double overtime scores the goal. You know, I, I, I didn't see the first or second period. I saw the third period. I saw all of the third period. It wasn't settled then. Watched all of the first overtime. Wasn't settled then. Watched the second overtime. The thing about it, the thing about hockey, if you haven't watched any games, when you have these overtime periods or you go into regulation and then go into these overtime periods, there's a 20-minute intermission in between each overtime period. So I'm sitting there trying to go to sleep. I had a long day on Wednesday, and I just had to stay up, and I'm glad I did. It was a a great game. The defenses got tight. The goaltenders got tight in those overtimes, and ultimately the Canes went on to victory. I'm going to talk more about that today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Join me today here on the program. Maybe you have a question that you'd like to ask of Brad Keselowski. Be happy to ask it for uh, to him for you. Also of Joshua Miles of Morgan State. Again, looking to hear his name called in this weekend's National Football League draft. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to those listening to us on all of our outstanding affiliates around the country that carry the program. Of course, we introduce the change, wkra 92.7 FM out of the Holly Springs, Mississippi and Memphis, Tennessee metro area that carries the program. Glad to have you guys aboard. How about WVCD 96.5 FM out of Denmark, South Carolina, down in that Orangeburg, Ban, uh, Barnwell area. Also uh, can get into Columbia and North Charleston, uh, North, uh, South Carolina. How about WRVS? In Elizabeth City, North Carolina, covering a broad area all the way from Elizabeth City to OBX, to the Outer Banks, to Rocky Mount, going even further up north, uh, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, uh, and the Norfolk area. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. You know, I want to start here. I tell you what. You know, when you think of top guards 
in the NBA. Does Damian Lillard typically come to mind? This is my thing about Damian Lillard. If you don't know by now, I mean, Damian Lillard is cold blooded. I mean, not only did he drop 50 points against OKC, who, by the way, should have won that game. I mean, that game should have been won by OKC. But ultimately, it was the exploits of Damian Lillard, who dropped 50 points in that game, including, I guess, about a 40 footer on a step back three pointer as time expired right over Paul George, who was in good position. Paul George was in really good position. The And by the way, Paul George made some unfortunate comments after to say that that, you know, that was a bad shot by Damian Lillard. Well, it couldn't have been that bad a shot if he made it. Plus, we've seen Lillard hit these big, I mean, these long shots, not only in this series, but really throughout the course of his career. So it wasn't a bad shot. Ultimately, you know, Damian Lillard, you think of top guards in the NBA, you know, the Steph Curry's obviously come to mind. You talk about Russell Westbrook and, you know, you, you know, you speak of Paul George, you talk about all of these guys. And a lot of times Damian Lillard, you know, Chris Paul, etc., gets left out of the conversation. Damian Lillard, I would equate if I had to equate Damian Lillard to a rapper, I would equate Damian Lillard to Scarface. He he's so underrated. Like you know, you're talking about one of the best in the game. Of course, Scarface, one of the greatest of all time. And I can't say that about Damian Lillard, not right now. But you're talking about one of the best in the game who doesn't get the true recognition or the true respect that he, in fact, deserves. I mean, this guy is absolutely incredible. It's not a whole lot that he can't do. He can finish on contact. He obviously can shoot. He's got great handles. He can facilitate as well. I mean, that guy is really, really good. And for all, I mean, all of the talk with with uh, Russell Westbrook and the back and forth between those two, Damian Lillard, with that shot, got the best of Westbrook, of OKC. And I tell you what, I mean, that guy is really, really good. Again, I equate him to Scarface, a guy that is really, really good, extremely talented, one of the best in the game, should be mentioned among the top five in the game, and is rarely ever mentioned that way. And that was just a cold-blooded shot by Damian Lillard and you know listen for the Blazers they finally are able to get over that hump it had been so many years that they had lost in the first round of the NBA playoffs for whatever the reason and by the way I mean you know when when they had the major injury about a month ago it sort of looked like okay here we go again they were playing at full strength and then all of a sudden you know, you have that dynamic that happens, but they were able to make the adjustment and behind some some good play overall amongst all the players, really. But Damian Lillard, man, I tell you what, that guy is absolutely incredible. And what a big time shot he was able to hit to put the Blazers uh, into the next round and defeating OKC. Going to talk some more NBA here on the program still to come here. On from the press box to press row, Morgan State offensive lineman Joshua Miles, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft this week and going to join us on the program. 
Up next, we're going to be joined by Brad Keselowski, drives the number two for Penske Racing. As from the press box to press row rolls on. Solo, get in the flow, and you can picture like a photo. Make sure you got your radio live. The God Rock Campesina, the mic, y'all. Hip hop forever. Thinking of a master plan. This ain't nothing but sweat inside my hands. You're listening to from the press box to press row. So I start my mission. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's Beef Jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's beef jerky online at marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's marjoriesbeefjerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row. Things pick up with NASCAR this Sunday. The Geico 500 is at the Talladega Speedway. You can, of course, watch that 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And we're joined by one of the more popular drivers in all of NASCAR. Drives the number two for Team Penske. Brad Keselowski joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Brad, welcome to the program. Thank you, Donald. I appreciate it. Uh, glad to be on. Absolutely. I appreciate you being on. A, a pretty good season for you so far. You sit number five in the standings. You've won two and have had t- uh, five top f- uh, five finishes there. Your thoughts on the season to this point? It's been really good. You know, we, uh, we felt like entering the year uh, that we would run really well this year. Uh, there were some... We really ended last year running very well, and then there were some nice upgrades on the Fords with the new Mustang. That's been really uh, positive for all of us, and it's really showing up. Uh, you know, the, the cars are, are driving very well, and uh, we've been able to win two races very early in the season. Like you said, we're only nine races in the season, about a quarter of the way through, and I feel like we've had a shot probably to win seven or eight of them. Uh, so uh, all things are very encouraging for the two teams. Absolutely. One thing I want to ask you is interesting. You mentioned the, uh, of course, the Mustang. What, what's what are some of the differences between the Mustang that you're driving and then, of course, the uh, the Dodge that you drove back in the day, if you will? Oh gosh, there's a number of different uh, 
you know, it's, it's hard to list them all. So if I was trying to list probably the biggest ones, uh, you know, there's been a lot of developments uh, with aerodynamics and the suspensions of the car. And the Ford motor is really, really strong. Uh, so, you know, Doug Yates, and uh, he runs Roush Yates Engines uh, out of North Carolina that builds our motors. He uh, He's built some really strong power plants and uh, really done a great job of getting uh, the most out of our engines and, and kind of putting us in a good spot. So I'd say probably if I was to pick the biggest one, it would be the engines, but there's been developments across really every facet uh, as, as it goes in, in this sport. You know, it, engineering uh, maybe doesn't get as touted as much as uh, – uh, it should, but it doesn't mean it's not important. Uh, and, and our guys are working and making incremental gains really every day. Uh, and, and so uh, our cars today are much better than they were back then, but so is the competition. Yeah. No, absolutely. And getting back to the point of, of your season this year, you won three straight on last year. But the win it in Atlanta, I guess, essentially has punched your ticket to the playoff, which would be this year the ninth time in 10 years. So speak to that win uh, in Atlanta and how big that win was for you? Oh, it's it's really important to get wins early in the season uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, it kind of gets you in a good stride and uh, your confidence goes way up. And, and probably number two is uh, the, the team gets to take a little bit of a breath and, and really push things a lot harder. You know, you're always worried about breaking down or, uh, you know, maybe just trying too hard in, in NASCAR because uh, that can really put you behind. But when you have a wind behind you, it's kind of like uh, wind in your sails. Uh, it, it just pushes you even further, and, and you don't worry about trying too hard and giving up points. You're worried about getting more wins. Uh, so it can be a, a really distinct advantage. Brad Keselowski drives the number two for Team Penske. Check him out this Sunday, the Geico 500 at the Talladega Speed uh, Super Speedway, that is. You can watch it. 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Let me, Brad, take you back to 2009. Uh, your first win on the major circuit was in your fifth race at Talladega. What was, I mean, t- talk about that win. And then, of course, you've had a lot of success at Talladega since. Yeah, that was a really special day. And, and I, you know, it's 10 years later and my first win uh, anniversary and, uh, Quite honestly, I still don't believe it in a lot of ways. <laughs> it, it really set the uh, uh, the pace for me to be where I'm at in my career. I'm super thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunity to race for Roger Penske and have cars that can win races week in and week out and to run for championships and to have won a championship. And, and really, a lot of those things came from winning that race. Um, they they, they kind of put me or kept me on the right path. So uh, there's... Some things I remember about that race, some things I don't. I, of course, I remember the last lap, and I remember the anxiety of trying to make the decision of what to do to make the pass. Those things are, are still very fresh in my mind. But, uh, you know, quite honestly, after I won the race, it was such a whirlwind of, uh, you know, media celebrations, team celebrations that, uh, gosh, it, it went too fast. I wish I could slow it down. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Why? I mean, you've had – multiple wins at least five wins i guess at talladega and a lot of top uh five finishes why such the success at talladega it's a good question um you know i know i don't take it for granted people ask me a lot like you said about winning five races uh i think that's like a 24 percent win percentage or, or something like that which is 
pretty good for Talladega. Sure. And, you know, they, then I go to Daytona, and I've only won one race there, and the tracks are almost identical. And I feel like I probably could have won four or five there. It, it just seems like, for whatever reason, things have come together for us at Talladega. Uh, there's been a lot of different rules changes over the years, and we've been able to, to maximize that. The cars have been fairly reliable. That helps a lot. Uh, Pit crew's been good to put us in position. That, of course, is a big deal. All those things have come together and, and put us in, in, in spots that I'm very, very proud of and, and to be able to win those races. And it's, it's hard to explain why because I feel like each win I've had there has required different things from the tandem drafting that uh, was prevalent in the, you know 2009 through 2011 uh, to the big pack racing that we had a few years ago. And now we're uh, kind of somewhere in between with the way the cars drive. So... A lot of different styles to required to win, so I can't really pinpoint one specific thing, but I know one thing I'm very thankful, Donald. Absolutely. Brad Keselowski drives the number two for Team Penske. He joins us here on the program. Of course, you won the 2012 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Do you see some parallels as we currently stand between this season and that season of 2012 in which you won it all? Yeah, we had some early season wins, and we had uh, some dominant victories like what we had in Martinsville this year. We had that in that season as well, uh, and we were capable of running up front each and every week. So, uh, yeah, a lot of parallels, and, and that just speaks to the strength of the team that we're able to continue to perform at a high level year after year. Yeah, so I want to talk with you about Keslowski Advanced Manufacturing. I read that. Um, in, in in Forbes, as a matter of fact, the announcement, I guess, was made sometime in January. Talk a little bit, you know, about that. Yeah, so I, I got uh, a little bit of a wild hair up my butt, I guess you could say, and uh, decided to go crazy and start a company. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm really enjoying it for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, uh, one, I love the technology. So it's it, it, what the company is, it does uh, hybrid manufacturing uh, which basically means it does uh, parts in 3D printing and parts in uh, traditional CNC subtractive and puts those two together. And uh, what I love about it is you know, not a lot of people can make and really is kind of fresh and new to the world uh, because of the capabilities. And it, it's game-changing technology uh, that really applies to, to so many different things from medical and new implants if you have a hip cup right now i didn't make it but someone i know made it because it's made with a metal 3d printer uh and right now you look at all the stuff going on with space and elon musk and spacex and a lot of that stuff is coming off of uh metal 3d printers and it's just really cool game-changing technology that's gonna uh, affect all of our futures and I'm, i'm glad i'm just glad to be a part of it glad to help push it forward and uh, really excited about it. And I think it's, it's been good for me on the racing side, too, because uh, I come home after a race on a Sunday night at midnight or whatever it might be, and my brain's just spinning with uh, frustrations from things I could have done better. And when I land, I go straight to uh, my factory, and I just walk through it until I can unwind. It, it really helps me unwind from the racing side. So I've, I've enjoyed that as well, and uh, it, it, it's been good. Awesome. Last two thoughts. You're from Rochester Hills, Michigan. What, your thoughts on Michigan football this past season and overall? Yeah, it wasn't uh, the season we were hoping for, but it sure did start off really well. 
we'll see. They lost a lot of starters uh, to the NFL draft, which is in some ways a good thing, in some ways a bad thing. Uh, but there's a whole new crop of talent coming in, and I'm excited as ever to see them perform and hopefully go the distance. Yeah, and then the Red Wings struggling a little bit, haven't had a Stanley Cup uh, championship since 08. Yeah, but Steve Eiserman is rumored to be coming yep, back to true. be the GM, and I got to say, I'm really pumped. I hope that comes together. Yep, true. Again, check him out this Sunday, the Geico 500 at Talladega Speedway. Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern on Fox. He drops the number two for Team Pinsky. He's Brad Keselowski. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Brad, great to catch up with you. Continued success to you and Team Pinsky. Thank you, Don. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, hope you enjoy the race this weekend. Absolutely. Will do. Brad Keselowski joining us on the program. You know, you know I like to... You know, not being a NASCAR aficionado per se, although getting into it a little bit more, especially over the last couple of years, I always like to know what are some of the differences in the cars. I mean, if you look at what Joe Gibbs racing and what Joe Gibbs racing has been able to do, I mean, they're racing mostly, if not all Toyotas, you know, and that's why I wanted to know, Okay, what's the difference between that Dodge? I'm not even sure what kind of Dodge. Maybe it was a Charger. I mean, I would I would assume, but then, you know, or Challenger or what have you, maybe not. Um, But that Mustang is sleek, man. That I'm going to tell you what, that Mustang is pretty, pretty sleek. And so, um, listen, big race this weekend. At Talladega, as a matter of fact, had a chance to pass the racetrack one time. We were on our way home, I think, from Birmingham, maybe from a SWAC football championship game one year and passed uh, by the Speedway. As a matter of fact, Talladega College is obviously right there as well. It's right near Anniston, um, Alabama, and that's a huge, huge, I mean, that thing sits in like the middle of nowhere, that Talladega super speedway but should be an interesting race um this upcoming weekend and of course brad keselowski sits at the number five spot again a couple of wins this year and a couple more top five finishes of course you're locked into from the press box to press row i'm your host donald ware just finished talking with nascar star brad keselowski still to come here on the program gonna talk Some National Football League draft. We haven't talked National Football League draft at all so far. Also still to come, we're going to talk some NBA playoffs, which are hot and heavy right now. But up next here on the program, we're going to be joined by Morgan State offensive lineman Joshua Miles. After this small pause for the cause, this is From the Press Box to Press Row. The National Football League draft continues this weekend, and on the line we're joined by a prospective draftee, Joshua Miles of Morgan State, can play tackle or guard. As a matter of fact, he's from Randallstown, Maryland, and he's looking to become the first Bear to be drafted since Vicente Shenko back in 2003. As Joshua Miles joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Joshua, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, blessed blessed to be here. Just hopped off a plane, and uh, the marathon continues. Yeah, it does. Talk to me about that. I mean, you, you're talking about the last, really since the e- the season ended back in November. I mean, you've just been sort of ripping and running. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. From uh, Tampa in the East-West Shrine game, then out to Indy for the Combine. Then I've been uh, on uh, 10 planes in nine days, taking my uh, team visits and whatnot. 
So, um, you know, it's just been like Baltimore has been a launching pad <laughs> over the last few weeks. Yeah, no, I know you, you're, you're putting in them, uh, you know, those miles from BWI and so forth. Um, you know, what, tell, tell us some of the teams that you've visited. Yeah, um, my first visit was with the Chicago Bears. They got a beautiful facility down there. Kept my eyes peeled for Tariq Cohen the whole time, but, uh, could, could, didn't get a good chance to catch up with them. Uh, then went to Houston. Um, from there went to, uh, New Jersey, visited the Jets. Uh, from there I went to Phoenix and, uh, visited the Cardinals. And then uh, the last stop was in Atlanta. Wow. I mean, that's certainly a lot of travel. So the combine, and of course, you mentioned Indianapolis and participating in the combine. Speak to us about what that experience was like. Yeah, I mean, it was it was honestly incredible. I mean, there was, uh, I mean, the combine was crazy. You know, you get there and, um, you know, they give you this huge packet full of stuff. And, you know, you're filling out all this, all this, this paperwork time and then, you know, you get up and they're giving you like all kinds of free gear, and then you're up early in the morning. The medical process, and the testing, thing, and then uh, you know the, the the bench press reps on the on the third day or, or yeah the third day, and then um, you know you, you test all day the second or the last day, and then you know you're out of there. But it was it was absolutely insane. You know, I did a lot of interviews with with a bunch of teams, and you know really got a chance to get my name out there. So that that's what was most important. How do you feel like you did? during the combine in terms of some of the measurables? Um, I, re- I mean, I really think I could have tested better. Um, you know, I feel like I, I did well, um, especially with, uh, uh, you know, just, just overall, uh, you know, measurables. You know, I had a good weight when I was there, uh, good body fat uh, percentage. And, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a tall, long guy. So, you know, I, I, I really stood out with the uh, measurements, but, you know, if I if I had it back, I would definitely run that forty a lot faster, which which I did at the pro day, and um, you know I probably would have would have lowered those shuttle times a little bit, but you know uh, I can't 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 look at the past. Yeah, had the voice of Joshua Miles, of course, played uh, off left tackle more specifically at Morgan State. He's from Randallstown, Maryland. Hoping to hear his name called in this year's National Football League draft. As he joins us here, I'm from the press box to press row. And Joshua, I was reading an article where you said in your time at Morgan State and playing, one of the better players, if not the best player that you had a chance to play against was uh, Daryl Johnson, of course, of North Carolina A&T. You know, what made him so difficult to play against? And did you have some interaction? I'm, I'm sure, I guess, you had some interaction with him at the combine. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I caught up with him at the combine. Um, you know, we, we talked and we laughed about it. You know, two guys come out of the MEAC. You know, we, we really want to support each other. But, um, you know, he's a, he's, an, he's an excellent player. You know, he's another tall, really long guy. He's got an arsenal of moves, uh, really quick hands, really quick feet, you know. So, um, you know, I, I, I did a lot of studying his film before prior to our game. And, um, you know, I gave up one sack all year long, and it was to him. So that's, that's, that's a testament to his game, definitely. Uh, you know, defensive MEAC defensive player of the year and everything, he decided to come out a little early. You know, honestly, he probably would have, you know, destroyed the MEAC ne- uh, next year, but, you know, I guess he's on to bigger things. Yeah, no question. Speak about the Shrine game, I and mean, that's a pretty big deal to be able to be invited to that, and that's where you sort of, your name really began to be noticed and people really started to uh, not notice you. I think they already noticed you, but you know what I mean in terms of your level of play and all of that uh, started to really rise uh, during the Shrine game. Yeah, yeah. I really think that's where I got the most buzz. It, it was absolutely incredible being down there. 
it was about uh, 10 days long. You know, we got there and, uh, and, and practiced every day. And, and um, you know, it, it, was, it, was really, it was really unique because we did a lot of interviews after the practices. So, you know, we, we would go and, uh, you know, get back from practice and everything and then just spend probably, you know, hours in this uh, big dining room uh, doing these, these little miniature interviews with, with every team and every scout. And I probably talked to all 32 teams while I was down there. So, you know, that, that was an awesome and super invaluable experience. Um, it, was, it was amazing, you know, going to the hospital. I mean, the Shriners are absolutely amazing. You know, prior to going down there and being invited, I didn't really know anything about the uh, Shriners Hospital. But, um, you know, they, they told us about how they, 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 they treat and cure, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids every year and all across America, and, and that's awesome. I talked to one little girl, her name was Madison. Uh, she actually ended up raising uh, like $8,000 for the hospital after they um, um, after they treated her scoliosis. So it's just amazing the impact that, that they make on, on families. You know, they treat, uh, you know, the kids just 100% for free. So that's, that's awesome. Wow, great story. That's the voice, of course, of Joshua Miles of Morgan State, hoping to hear his name called. And this year's National Football League draft joins us here on the program. What was that 2014 season like for you? It was a redshirt year, but it was a year in which the Bears shared the MEAC championship, albeit with four other teams, but ultimately went on to the NCAA uh, FCS playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah, that was an that was an awesome year, you know. And what made that year what made that year so unique was um, it was a very senior-heavy team, so I, I really got an experience. On uh, and really got a lesson in leadership. You know, really learned uh, how to lead and what it takes to lead, and then also what it takes to win. Because you know, those guys worked super, super hard. You know, all summer long and uh, and practice, and you know, it, it was a lot of seniors who just just wanted to do uh, everything right all the time. So you know, watching them work and watching them lead, you know, really resonated with me. And and I tried to to, to emulate some of that stuff when I you know when I became a senior. So um, that was awesome, and, uh, you know, we, we won a lot that year. Um, you know, winning the MEAC championship, there's, there's honestly nothing like it. Shout-out to Coach Leo Hall. You know, he, he ended up leaving us for the, for the Colts, or the coach in the NFL, uh, ended up coaching T.Y. Hilton to a, to a league-leading receiving yards year. So, um, you know, it was a great coaching staff that year, great group of players, and, you know, just, just um, love all my guys, man. It was, uh, that was a great year. Yeah, how difficult, sort of, I guess, conversely, how difficult after you, you know, 2015, 2016, um, really good years for you. How difficult was 2017 having to sit out because you were ineligible? Yeah, that was incredibly difficult. Um, the, the ineligibility was, uh, was probably the, the roughest, the lowest part of my uh, entire football career. Um, you know, it was a credit toward degree problem, and I, I just didn't meet the right percentage of uh of degree completion to be eligible. It wasn't like I was failing classes, you know, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a, a mishap with, uh, with advising, but, um, you know, it, that was, that was definitely rough. I mean, I still practiced with the team, I still played with the team, went to training camp, got an extra lift in on Fridays, even broke the power cream record that year. But, you know, it was, it was, it was ridiculous because, um, you know, my, and my guys were out there and, and the, 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 that was by far the roughest year Morgan's had and, and a very very long time, you know. So um, just just the fact that they that they went one in ten, and then the fact that you know I, I, there was nothing I could do anything about it. There was nothing I could do about it, you know. Um, made it made it extra rough. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but but I just can't. I just wanted to come back this year, absolutely with a vengeance, you know. Like I, I I got in the best shape of my life over the summer, so you know that's that's probably what, what contributed so much to my success this year. Yeah, no question about it. So you know, now you know Baltimore guys don't play football, uh, but you know I'm I'm <laughs> fine. Yeah, yeah, I know I know why you left, but it seems like more now. A lot of Baltimore guys are really starting to play. You're starting to see a lot of guys playing college football and in the league and really in that region as a whole, more specifically, also in the Washington area. So tell us how ultimately you're from Randallstown, how you ended up at Morgan State. I mean, they're, they're, obviously you're right there, but how did you end up at Morgan State? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of under-recruited coming out of high school. Um, came out of high school about 6'6", 275, you know, looking for offers. Had uh, offers from Ante and uh, Dell State, and then like some preferred walk-on stuff with Maryland and a few other schools. But you know, I really, really wanted to, um, really wanted the scholarship. Really wanted to play Division One ball. Wanted to stay close to home, and uh, and Morgan fit the criteria for all that. Also, they had the business administration program. You know, I'm four, I'm four uh, classes away from that now, and or from finishing that now, and. Uh, also, I mean, Morgan's always just been a staple of the community. Like, like I mean, you, you drive around Baltimore and, and Baltimore County at, at any given time, and you'll see, you know, a bunch of those uh, Morgan State alumni license plates. And, you know, we've all been to the homecomings, and we've all seen the, the commercials or heard about, heard about the Morgan State's choir. So, I mean, Morgan's greatness just was always ingrained in my mind. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lastly, what would it mean to be the first bear drafted since 2003 when of course Vasante Shenko the tight end was drafted had a had a solid career in the National Football League yeah I mean that would be absolutely amazing um you know honestly this is like my life's work coming to a head you know everything that I prayed on since I was seven years old you know is coming together in these it has come together in these last three months you know uh it's actually funny because um the one of the reporters um Chelsea, who was doing a story on me before, mentioned to me that uh, the year I started playing football was the last year uh, Morgan State had a guy drafted. So it's it's just it's like everything's coming full circle, you know. Almost it's almost poetic. But um, it would it would also be great just because uh, it would shine some light on Morgan State in general. I mean, we've got some amazing talent coming out of there. I mean, I, I got when I was at the at the um in a bunch of the visits and at the combine, you know, they were asking me. Uh, is that pass rusher Malachi Washington? Is he is he as good as everybody thinks he is? And I said, oh, he's better, you know. <laughs> and then we've got you know linebackers with a lot of talent, and and uh, you know running backs and wide receivers who can squat 500 pounds. So you know, I'll I'll just be the first of many. And, of, of course, Morgan has a great legacy if you go back in the day, as you know, and, and people don't really Definitely. don't really know that. And, of course, you're you're looking to become part of the newer legacy, if you will. I said lastly, but for real, lastly this time, um, I, it, sort of in that same vein, um, speak to us, man, about being an HBCU guy. Again, you're only four classes away from graduating graduating and that at the bottom line is. Guys can play football at HBCUs in the MEAC and it can also excel on the next level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, guys like Tariq Cohen and, and uh, Darius Leonard and Brandon Parker, you know, they definitely came in. And Oh, and Ryan Smith and, uh, you know, Javon Hargraves, you know, those guys came in and kicked the door down for sure. I, you know, and then, and now it's just exposing, you know, the rest of us to to uh, to greatness. You know, we, we've all got, uh, you know, a lot of greatness in us. I mean, 
it, it just because you go to an HBCU, you know, there, there shouldn't be a stereotype or a um, or, or a prejudice toward black college football. You know, there's there's been so many legends who have come out of the MEAC and the SWAC. I mean, um, Morgan State has the most Hall of Famers of any HBCU in the in, in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame right now. And I mean, you know, Steve McNair, he came out of Alcorn, and you know, there's a whole there's a long list of guys who, who came from small schools and HBCUs who who, you know, did great things. Walter Payton, that's another one. Um, I mean, you know, it, 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 I, could, I could go on and on. But, um, I mean, the tradition is there. It, it's amazing, you know, the, the, the black fingerprints that are all over pro football uh, that people don't even realize, you know. So I just want to be a, another part of the legacy. just want to join that brotherhood. Joshua Miles of Morgan State, hoping to hear his name caught in the National Football League draft this weekend, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Joshua, great insight, man, and we're pulling for you. Uh, good luck this weekend and hearing your name called in the National Football League draft. Thank you so much, man. Keep praying for me. Joshua Miles knows his stuff. I want to talk more about that interview, NBA and National Football League draft. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. National Football League draft continues this weekend. And on Thursday, the first round of the NFL draft took place. Kyler Murray, the number one pick by the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think there was any real big surprise right there. I mean, again, I think the question was for Murray, what was his measurables going to be in terms of his height at the draft? Big hands. He can make all of the throws. Uh, yes, he's not. He may not be as tall as you would like, but then again, neither is Russell Wilson, who is now the highest paid player in the history, at least momentarily, of the National Football League. And I don't think there was any surprise right there. How did your team do? I want to hear from you. How do you think your team did ultimately? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X. The number two R-O-W. I got to tell you, as a Washington Redskins fan, I think the Redskins, in terms of picking Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from Ohio State, was an absolutely tremendous pick. And the thing about it, the Redskins did not have to move up to get him. You knew when the Giants did not pick him at number six that things may start to go well. The only other real question mark in terms of a team that may pick Haskins was going to be the Dolphins at the number 13 pick. And when they didn't pick him, you knew that the Falcons weren't going to pick him next. The Falcons have Matt Ryan. So 
essentially Dwayne Haskins falls to the Washington Redskins at number 15. He can be your quarter. He's certainly your quarterback of the future. He could potentially be your quarterback of now. The Redskins, of course, have Case Keenum. I mean, there there may be a slight, um, uh, there may be an opportunity where Alex um, can come back in 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 two years, maybe not this year, but in a couple of years. But I don't know at that point because of the of his the, he had the broken fibula and the age that he is. That's sort of the the main thing. But Dwayne Haskins, I mean, big kid, six three, two hundred thirty one pounds. Um, I mean, you know, he's a quarterback. He looks like a quarterback. He put up some really good numbers at Ohio State, um, some really astronomical numbers when you think about it. I know it's college football, and it's going to be definitely a transition, a big transition from college football to the National Football League, especially at the quarterback position. But I thought that was a really big pick by the Skins. And by the way, you've had a lot of of athletes that have gotten caught up in the Washington, D.C. culture, the Washington, D.C. life most notably comes to mind when I think back over the years is Chris Weber, who got caught up. I mean, had the world at his feet. Phenomenal player got caught up in that life. And then it was pretty much over. The good thing about Dwayne Haskins, I was sort of concerned, but then sort of somebody reminded me he 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 grew up. His high school years were in Washington. He played at the Bullis School, which I believe Bullis is in Bethesda. If I'm not mistaken, it's in that's Montgomery County. It's in the Washington area. So he's used to that. So all he needs to go in, do is go in and put in that work. He's going to need some weapons. No question about it. He's going to need some more wide receivers. They got a pretty good running game. Geis comes back. Adrian Peterson is back. The offensive line should be healthy. I'm not saying he's going to play right away. I mean, I think when you have a guy like a Case Keenum who has had some success, I know he didn't have the success last year, but you're talking about a guy two years ago that led or helped to lead Minnesota to that NFC championship game. What was he, what were his numbers? Something like 29 touchdowns, eight interceptions, something like that. I mean, you got a guy. I mean, it's the same thing that I said about Nick Foles a couple of years ago when everybody, when Philadelphia Eagles fans were about to have a conniption and everybody was talking about, wow, look how the Eagles started. And then, you know, their quarterback gets injured. And now Nick, remember Nick Foles had, yeah, with certainly with St. Louis, he didn't have the success, but then again, look at the culture in St. Louis at that time. You're talking about a guy in Nick Foles who in this league threw for like 27 touchdowns and two interceptions, something like that in one year. The guy has had success, and that's what I'm saying about Case Keenum. So if you figure if Dwayne Haskins is ready to rock and roll and become the starter, that's going to be a good thing for the Redskins moving forward. Either way, whether it's this year, next year, I think that's an excellent pick for the Skins moving forward. How did your team do in the National Football League draft uh, in round one and subsequent rounds to this point? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Again, on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Got some new series to kind of look at as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned. And you're looking at the 76ers and the Raptors. Um that game going to take place on Saturday. Um, you know, the Raptors got off to a really slow start 
in that opening round uh, matchup in, in losing, you know, that 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 very first game. Um, but they ultimately came back and were able to get it done. Same thing with the 76ers. They're in the same boat, lost that first game, ultimately went on to blow out the respective opponent in the 76ers case, the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Um, this should be a really interesting series. You're talking about a 76ers team that is very young, Embiid, Simmons. I mean, they got they got basically five all-stars that are starting. But then you have with the Raptors a really good team led, of course, by Kawhi Leonard, who is has been sensational, was sensational in the first round, especially games two through five. Um, the thing about the Raptors, you know, to me, the wild card is Kyle Lowry. He hasn't had a whole lot of success in the playoffs over the years. He, you know, I, I didn't see where he did a whole lot in that first round series. He's going to really have to come to play for the Raptors. They have other pieces. It's no doubt about that. I mean, they have Gasol's a veteran. He's been in playoff battles. He's, I mean, you talk again, I've always said this on this show. You talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. And prior to the last couple of years, a model of consistency when it comes to making the NBA playoffs had been the Grizzlies uh, and, and uh, Mark Gasol very much a part of that. So some pieces there. Um, listen, I, I like the 76ers. I like the 76ers in this matchup, in this series. I think this game, this uh, series, uh, again, Kawhi Leonard is just so good like this. I think it's going to go seven games. Um now I'm going to say six, six games, ultimately with the 76ers winning game six on its home floor. Of course, you got the Celtics and the Bucks, and that takes place on Sunday. Wow, the the Celtics were were relatively impressive. I mean, this was a Celtics team to me that sort of was on a bit of a downslide coming into the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Bucks. You talk about model of consistency, consistent all season long. And by the way, uh, I tell you what, Giannis Antetokounmpo has been was has been or was absolutely spectacular against the Pistons. It's going to be obviously a lot different, uh, but I mean Antetokounmpo is is virtually uh, virtually unguardable. He's virtually unstoppable. But they have you know Chris Middleton. And, I mean they got so many players there. For the Bucks, um, the Celtics, where they have the advantage, to me, they are playoff tested. This is a Boston Celtics team that last year went to Game Seven of the NBA Finals without Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving is playing absolutely dynamite. I like the way Jason Tatum is starting to play. If you look at Jason Tatum and you look at what he was able to accomplish last year, he had a really, really good rookie season. This year, you know. It wasn't a bad season, but I don't, I'm, you know, we weren't talking about Jason Tatum as much as I thought we would be talking about Jason Tatum this year with the incredible skill set he has. He has the jumper. He can take it. He can put it on the floor. He can dunk it on you. He can high rise on you. And we just hadn't seen that from Jason Tatum, maybe flashes here and there throughout the course of the season, but not as a whole where I thought this, you know, maybe it's a bit of a sophomore jinx, but. But in the playoffs, he he show, he really did show up or he has shown up. But it's going to be a different animal when you're taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm interested in that series. I think that series is I, I, again, I'm going six games in that series. The Bucks. I got the Bucks winning that in game six. I mean, not only do you have Antetokounmpo, 
but you have so many other players surrounding him. That's a good basketball team. No mistake why they are the number one overall seed in the NBA playoffs. So that is my look at at least those couple of games as it relates to the NBA playoffs. Again, I told you I would I would go back to the Caps and the Canes. Again, the Canes, nothing to lose. They played like that throughout the course of the series. Um, they had so many more. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it just isn't kind of keeping up with it. So many more shots on goal. They were much more aggressive than were the Capitals. And, I mean, what now what for the Capitals? You win the Stanley Cup the next year. You go in as a high seed. You lose to another uh, considerably lower seed. What's next? For the Washington Capitals. I mean, they got a lot of questions to really answer in the offseason. But then again, they sort of stayed the course. If you look at the Capitals, they really stayed the course more so even when they would be the higher seed and then had struggled for so many years until they ultimately won the whole thing. But I don't know if the Capitals are going to be able to to sustain that. Um, So you got two franchises going in different directions. And listen, don't count the Canes out in the second round against the Islanders. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Joshua Miles for joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row from Morgan State. Hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. Also to Brad Keselowski for joining us today here on the program. Again, if you missed uh, any of our interviews uh, over the last couple of weeks, log on to our, any of our shows, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com and download the From the Press Box to Press Row podcast. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.